Good morning. This Bible reading does come from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. If you're looking in the church Bibles, can be found on page 1030 or can be followed along on the screen. Six. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Thanks, Matt. Let's ask God for his help as we look at this part of his word together. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word now, please give us understanding. Please, Lord, work through your word in our hearts so we might grow in prayer and in trust in you, our Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. He walks up to the front gate of the White House. He's here to talk to the president. The front gate is bristling with security. Armed service guards check everyone in through the huge steel fence. There are snipers on the roof, bulletproof glass in all the windows. This might be the most secure house in the world. But it's not a problem for him. The guards recognise him, give him a big smile, wave him on through. A secretary nearly stops him down the hallway. He's in a meeting, you'll have to wait until she sees who it is. Oh, go on, he'd love to see you. He opens the door to the Oval Office. The President is in a meeting, but when he looks up, his face lights up in a huge smile. Excuse me, gentlemen, this is my son. Come and give me a big hug, what's going on? All the security, guards and the busyness of one of the most important leaders of the world isn't a problem for him. He's the president's son and he lo- his dad loves to hear from him. Now there's something that is at least a bit unbelievable about that story, right? Now the president's a busy man. I bet even his children need an appointment or at least a wait in the foyer when they go and see him. But this story pales to insignificance when we think about what we have when we come to God in prayer. See, our God is not the president of some little country. He's the creator of the whole universe. 
He can measure the Milky Way with the span of his hand. And he's the king over the universe. He rules in majesty and power over all things. Nothing is beneath his gaze or beyond his control. And he's holy, perfectly good, perfectly separate from everything that's evil or sinful. And yet when we pray, we come straight to this almighty, powerful, holy God. We don't have to go through security. We don't need an appointment. Through Jesus, we don't just come to this God as the King and Lord of all. We come to him as our Father. Our loving Heavenly Father who delights in our prayers and who invites us to come with all our needs and requests. That is what prayer is. You know, as a church family, we want to be growing in prayer together. And so for the whole of the term four, the next nine weeks, we're going to be hearing from God's word about prayer. This week, we're going to hear Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. And what we're going to see is that prayer is simply talking to God as our good and loving Heavenly Father. But talking to God is different to talking to other people, right? We don't see God face to face when we talk with him, at least not yet. And so prayer is something that takes faith. We won't pray unless we believe in God, unless we trust in him and believe he's good. In fact, John Calvin said that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. Uh, Tony Payne and Philip Jensen, they call prayer audible faith. I've called it for us faith out loud. When we come to our Father in prayer, we are expressing our faith in him out loud. Which means, I want to say to you, if we want to grow in prayer, we need to grow in faith. We need to see more and more clearly how small we are and how dependent on God we are and how great and merciful our God is. We need to see more and more how we can come to him confidently through Jesus who died for us. We can come to him in all things, confident to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We need to see how he helps us pray, how our prayers are sweet and delightful to him. That's what we'll be seeing over the next nine weeks. If we want to grow in prayer, we need to grow in seeing how great our loving father is and how freely we can come to him. So let's start now. Let's jump in. First thing we need to see about prayer is that we pray to our Heavenly Father. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you you would have heard this a lot. We often pray to our Father in Heaven or our Heavenly Father. But, But if we want to grow in prayer, we need reminding about how incredible and how unexpected this actually is. You see, we see Jesus teach his disciples this here in Matthew 6. Jesus is teaching his disciples what it looks like to live in his kingdom. And that includes the way that we pray. In a moment, we'll see that that means they pray simply, not for the praise of men. But first, just notice in this passage all the times that Jesus uses the word Father. 
Follow along in your own Bible if you've got it open. Verse 6. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. For your, Verse 8. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 14. Your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And perhaps the best known of all, it's there in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name we can be so used to this kind of language that we just forget how revolutionary it is see when God rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt God said that he was the father of Israel that the nation of Israel was his son but that was true of the nation as a whole not individuals in prayer When God made his great promise to King David in 2 Samuel 7, God promised that David would have a descendant who would reign forever. God said that he would be a father to him and that this king would be God's son. But even here, this is something unique for the king. It's part of God's gracious, unexpected promise to David. It's not the experience of the everyday Israelite. So Jesus, when he uses the word father six times here, he's saying something revolutionary, something profound. This isn't just a title to use for God. Jesus is saying we have a new, deeper, richer relationship with God, and we have that through Jesus and his kingdom. See, we can't come to God as our father just because he's our creator. Our sin separates us from God. We've disobeyed his commands by doing things we shouldn't have done. We've not done the good things we should have. We've said no to God and we've lived our own way in rebellion against him. Our sin separates us from this good and perfect God. But Jesus does have that relationship with the Father. First is God the Son, the one from all eternity has existed in perfect and beautiful Father-Son relationship with the Father but also as God's promised forever king. The one who willingly was born as a real human being to be our promised saviour and king. The one with that father-son relationship with the father that he promised to David. And yet even though Jesus, God's own son, never sinned, he goes to the cross to suffer and die for our sins to take the punishment that our sin deserves, to take on himself the the wrath of God that we deserve so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life in him. And he rose again to new life. He offers new life and forgiveness to all who trust in him. And when we trust in him, we are joined with him. And because we are joined with him in faith, all the good things which are his become ours too. And that includes our relationship with God. See, through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are adopted as God's beloved sons. We are co-heirs with Jesus. Whether you're a man or a woman, we are all given the status of adopted sons with Jesus, God's son. We are full heirs of all of God's promises in Jesus. 
just to back up what I'm saying, that's what Paul says in Ephesians 1, where he says, we've been blessed in every, with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, including in verse 5, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. See, if we trust in Jesus, then when we pray, we come to God as our beloved Father. That's not a title. That's a powerful statement of our relationship with God in Jesus. We are sons and heirs of the creator, king and judge of the universe. We come to him not as enemies to be judged, not as subjects to be tolerated, not as dust to be swept away. We come to him as his beloved children. Which means prayer is first and foremost about our relationship with God through Jesus. The relationship of children to their father. Prayer is not a duty we do to impress God. It's not a good work that earns us merit. It's not a prerequisite for us to be in relationship with God. It's an expression of the rich and wonderful relationship we have with our Heavenly Father in Jesus. We pray to our Heavenly Father. And this has all sorts of earth-shattering implications for how we pray. Jesus unpacks some of them. And we're going to go through them pretty quick. First, this means we pray simply. Jesus, he's been shooting down the religious practices of the hypocrite who give and fast and pray to impress people. But it's different for us because we come to our Heavenly Father. It means we don't pray for the approval of others. Verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray on the syn- in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Christian prayer is about talking to our Father, not impressing other people. The hypocrites, they pray to be seen, but we pray to our Father in private. Now, I don't think Jesus is forbidding all public prayer here. After all, he prayed with his disciples and his disciples prayed regularly together in Acts. But Jesus is offering us an antidote to praying for the praise of men. Pray in private. Then you really know what your motives are. This is a challenge for all of us, I want to say, but especially for those who lead prayer in public. If your prayer life is impressive in public, but dead and buried in your private prayer, it is a sign that something is wrong. Because prayer is really about coming to our Father, not showing off before others. That's also why we can pray simple prayers, because it's not how we pray, it's who we're praying to. Verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Because God is our Father, Christian prayer is totally different from other kinds of prayer. Christian prayer isn't magic, where you say the right words to make God act in the way that we want Him to act. 
Even the words in Jesus' name are not a magic formula that we use to manipulate God. It isn't like Eastern meditation where we repeat the same words over and over again and again until we achieve some kind of spiritual state. It isn't about repeating said prayers a certain number of times to make penance. It isn't about praying the most impressive, lengthy, biblical sounding prayers to persuade God into acting. It's not about telling God everything that's going on because we're worried he doesn't know. Christian prayer is simply coming to our Heavenly Father to ask for his help. He already knows everything we need. He just wants us to come and ask. And it makes sense. When my kids come and ask me to fill up a glass of water for them, I do want them to ask, and I'd like them to say, please, that's a bonus. But they don't need to come with a 30-minute speech about the benefits of proper hydration. (laughs) They don't need to use old English. O Father of mine, I beseech thee in the name of thy generous fatherly provision to switch on the tap of your beneficence and provide me some liquid hydration. I don't need that. I just want them to come and ask. And I'll give it to them because I love them. This can be a relief. If you're worried that you don't have the right words... If you're worried that you're not impressive or you don't know what to ask for, that's okay. It's actually how it's meant to be. Because God doesn't hear your prayers because you sound good or you use fancy words. He hears your prayers and acts because he is your father and he loves you. Don't worry about how to ask. Just come to your heavenly father as his kids and simply ask. Over the next few verses, Jesus gives us an example of this. He teaches his disciples how to pray using what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's a set of words, it's not a set of words that we must pray. We can use these words, I think it's helpful too, but we don't have to. And we should be careful not to turn them into exactly the kind of empty, repeated babbling that he's warning us about. This prayer that Jesus gives is a teaching to him. It's a model that's meant to show us how we can simply come and pray to our loving Father. This prayer is six simple requests to God. Six short, simple sentences that ask God to work for his kingdom and for our daily needs. We're going to go through it really quickly because it's a great example of what it looks like for us to simply talk to God as our loving Father. But I want to say this prayer could easily be a whole sermon or a series, so we'll have to move pretty quick. First thing we see is that we pray for our Father's plan and glory. We pray for his kingdom. If we're coming to God as his sons, then we will want to get on board with his plans. And so this prayer doesn't start with our needs, it starts with God and his kingdom. Verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first request here is that God's name would be hallowed. That means his name would be treated and recognised as holy. After his people rebelled and they were sent into exile, the nations around profaned God's name. It looked like God had abandoned his people and given up on them. But God promised in Ezekiel 36 that he would save his people and give them his Holy Spirit for the sake of his holy name. 
so that all the peoples of the earth could see that he is the righteous, faithful God of Israel and he saves his people. See, to pray that God's name would be hallowed is to pray that God would work to save his people and to show his glory and holiness and that many people would turn to him as the holy God. It's connected to the next part of the prayer, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God already reigns in heaven where all things are perfect. We are asking for his reign to be accomplished here too. We could think of this in three ways. First, I want to say we should only pray this prayer if we want God to reign in our lives. We want more and more to live with that radical heart obedience that honours him. We should only pray this if we really mean for God to reign over us. Second, we're praying because we want this to happen in the lives of more and more people. We're praying for more and more people to hear the good news of Jesus' kingdom and repent and come under his rule. And ultimately, we want this to happen in full when Jesus returns. When he comes back to judge the living and the dead, to set all things right. This is a prayer for Jesus to establish his kingdom in full forever. Jesus is saying here, teaching us, that prayer starts with asking God to work for his kingdom and glory. Prayer is not just a tool we can use to get God to make our lives more comfortable in the here and now, to get him to maintain the status quo. We are asking him to bring about his great promises, to bring about his kingdom. That's our priorities in prayer, lining up with those of our Father. Do our prayers start there? Or are we so focused on our own need that we forget that the greatest need is actually for God's kingdom and glory? But I say that's not all we can pray for. God doesn't only care about the big picture. He also cares deeply for us. So not only do we pray for his kingdom, we also pray for our daily needs. See, even asking this means recognising that we are dependent on God. We are his children and he is the father and we need his help. It starts with asking for our simple day-to-day needs. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You see, we don't need to list out every single little detail we need just in case God forgets something. In this prayer, we are simply asking our Father to provide for our practical day-to-day needs, including our daily bread. But we need more than just bread. We also need God's forgiveness and protection. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, we need God to forgive us our sins. Because of the sin, our sin, we are under a debt to God that we can never repay. A debt that is far beyond us, a debt that just keeps stacking up. But in Jesus, we have the promise of full and free forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So we should keep coming to God, keep confessing our sins, keep asking for forgiveness in the confidence that he will provide it. But there's a challenge here. See, if we are a people who have been forgiven much, we should also be a people who forgive others. 
We don't earn God's forgiveness by doing this. But if we don't forgive, we show that we don't really understand God's forgiveness to us at all. If you're harbouring unforgiveness, you can't continue in that. Ask that God would work in your heart and help you to forgive. That he would help you to see the greatness of his forgiveness to you and that you would be able to trust justice into his hands. Finally, Jesus' prayer here recognises that we need God's protection to live for him. We ask that God would not lead us into temptation. Jesus is not saying that God would tempt us here. James 1 says that God's not tempted, nor does he tempt people. We're tempted by our own sinful desires. This prayer is asking that God would preserve and protect us from temptation and evil. We recognise we can't do it on our own. We depend on him. We need his protection. This is a simple prayer. Jesus teaches us six simple requests for God's kingdom and our daily needs. But there's one more thing. You see, seeing that God is our Father isn't enough. We won't come to him and pray unless we also see that he is good. That's the last thing that Jesus shows us this morning. We pray trusting our Father's goodness. This is just a little later in the Sermon on the Mount, the next chapter. Jesus had just told us how we don't have to be anxious because God knows our needs and he cares for us. And now he encourages us to ask God because he's not just our Father in heaven, he is a good Father. Look in chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, I think my kids, I think they're still a little surprised every time they give them a treat. But the truth is, and maybe don't tell them this, I actually love it. (laughs) I love their excitement and joy every time. It gives me joy. If they come and ask me for water, I'm not going to give them poison. If they ask me for dinner, I might might make them eat their veggies, but I won't give them scraps. I actually love giving them good things. And yet I'm a sinner. I let my kids down often. But if I love to give good things to my kids, how much more does our Heavenly Father? And that's Jesus' point here. His disciples are sinners like us. Their hearts are evil and they live out their evil desires in sin. But they still love to give good gifts to their kids. They don't give them stones or snakes for lunch. And how much better is our Heavenly Father? He's perfectly loving, good, kind. He will always give us what He needs. He's not out to harm us. He's not a miser who wants to keep back the good stuff for Himself. He's not out to spoil our fun. He is always working for our good. And He will answer our prayers. He is a God who even gave up His own Son for us. Will he not also give us all good things? 
Maybe you're here this morning and you never had a good father. Maybe your dad was absent or mean or abusive. Maybe this language of heavenly father jars with you a little bit. You might find it hard to trust God to give you what is good. If that's you, then I want to say, let your experience point you towards our Father in heaven, not away. See, we know that uh, that's not what a father is meant to be, mean and harsh and abusive. We feel the injustice and the wrongness of it. And that's meant to point us to our Heavenly Father who will never let you down. He is what your dad should have been but could have never lived up to, no matter how good he was. Our Heavenly Father is always seeking our good, your good, even at great cost to himself, even giving his own son to suffer and die for your sins. If you want to grow in prayer, grow in the wonder of coming to our good and loving Father, who is also the ruler and creator of the whole universe. He loves to hear your prayers. Now, over the next nine weeks, I want to try and give you a simple prayer tip to give you to each week to help all of us to grow in prayer. Now, hear this right. This is not a tip from an expert. I need to grow in prayer a lot. These are little things I've picked up here and there that have been helpful to me and might be helpful to you. And this week's is a simple tip from Michael Reeves' excellent little book, Enjoy Your Prayer Life. When you pray, don't focus on prayer as a thing to do. Instead, focus on the one you're praying to. Focus on our good and loving Father in heaven that you're talking to. It's like a conversation. And just imagine that I'm having a conversation with you and I'm totally fixated on how I'm going at the conversation. Hello, how are you, I say. And then I think, oh, strong start, Josh. Good job. Nailed it. How are you going, I say. Hmm, that inflection was a little odd, but overall strong. Nice work. Need to plan on talking about the weather next. Let's think about the, what the weather has been right so I'm ready for the next part of the conversation. Meanwhile, I'm so preoccupied with how I'm going at the conversation, I've totally missed you. I'm not listening to you or talking to you at all. It's all about me. And I think we can be like that with God. We can be focused on what we're saying, on how we're saying it, focused on whether we've prayed enough or not, focused on everything else, and we forget the one we're actually coming to pray to. So I'll say this week, Try focusing on the one you're praying to instead. Try thinking about who he is, about his goodness and love, about the fact that you can come to him as father and simply talk to him. Simple, halting, broken words are fine. Simple, short sentences that are a bit muddled, great. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Prayer is simply coming and talking to our loving and our good Heavenly Father. And he invites us to come to him freely in Jesus. So this week, why don't I give it a try? Just come and talk to your loving Heavenly Father. In Jesus, he welcomes you with open arms. And he loves giving good things to his children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. 
Thank you that you invite us to come to you freely in Jesus and that we can come praying our simple, broken, halting prayers. Thank you that you're a good and loving Father. Forgive us for times when we've missed this and made prayer about us or about impressing other people. Forgive us, Lord, for neglecting this great gift we have of coming to you as our Father. Please help us, Lord, each one of us to grow in prayer and to enjoy this great gift of coming to you, the God who rules and created the universe, as our loving Father in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.